Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go there to prepare a place for you? And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you will be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Whoever knows me will know the Father also. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still you don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? These words that I say, I don't speak on my own, but the one who dwells in me does his works. So believe me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. And if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father might be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. So I want to lighten it up a little bit. We scared one little girl with the bird. <laughs> Stephen got stoned in the first reading. And so we're going to watch. There's apparently a phenomenon in the world of the NBA where during post-game press conferences, sports writers and reporters have a habit of asking some really dumb questions. And there's like troves of these things all over YouTube. But we're just going to show a few of them courtesy of Jimmy Kimmel. The NBA Finals is a global event. Reporters from all over the world cover these games, which sometimes leads to exchanges like this. Steph, uh, Kemal Bozkurt, HeyBurnim.com, Turkey. Uh, I hope you'll be uh, this time final MVP, but if you will not be, are you going to be upset or you'll, you'll be still happy? That's a reporter from the popular Turkish game show, Upset or Be Still Happy. <laughs> I love this sort of thing. And so to pay tribute to this MVP caliber nonsense, I had my team go through 30 million questions from NBA reporters. Since the beginning of televised basketball, we whittled those down to the best of the worst. And with that said, it's time now for the five dumbest questions in NBA history. What? <laughs> Number four. Last year at this time, it was the debut of the beard. Sticking with it. Obviously. <laughs> Number two. When Steph Curry gets hot like he did, what more could you guys do to stop him? That was a good question. <laughs> that was really a good question. Thank you. 
And the number one dumbest question. Ron, can you describe uh, your perfect salad? My perfect salad? <laughs> uh, just a lot of protein. I need protein. I need a vegetable. I need a fruit. With avocado? I'll take that as well. If you were counting, there was one missing, right? Shaq's your mother response wasn't appropriate for church, so we had to edit it out a little bit. So we have all heard, I suspect, that there is no such thing as a dumb question. I have said it before to classes and Bible studies. I've said it to kids and adults. I've said it to my own children, I'm sure, more than once. But it's mostly true that there are no dumb questions. If they are genuine and heartfelt and curious, there really is no such thing. This is the way any good teacher should approach a student, how any mentor should engage a protege, how any coach perhaps should embrace a player, how any messiah should encourage a disciple even. But some people, kids and adults alike, and apparently sports writers and reporters after an NBA basketball game put that notion to the test, do they not? I'm looking at every teacher. You've had class clowns who know how to ask really dumb questions, right? Or any class clowns in the room who know how to ask really hard, silly questions sometimes too, right? Anyway, I kind of wonder if Jesus wasn't thinking something along these lines when he was being questioned by Thomas and by Philip in this morning's gospel. I'm not sure you'd call any of them class clowns, but Jesus seems sort of surprised, if not exasperated, maybe even disappointed by the questions they ask. Jesus offers them what seems to be a preconceived notion to him, a no-brainer, something he expected they would have already understood. He says, you know, the way to the place where I'm going. But Thomas gives him our first glimpse, for us anyway, of his doubting ways when he asks Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? He wants a little more clarity, it seems, as doubting Thomas is wont to be. Philip wants to see something else too, something more, something different something better than what he's already witnessed or experienced in his following of Jesus. Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied, he asks. Come on, Jesus, show us this Father you've been praying to and talking about and that will do it. Just make it clear and we'll know. It'll all make sense. Then we'll be satisfied. That will finally make all the difference. And Jesus is like, guys, you have seen it. Remember when I turned that water into wine? Remember when I drank from the well with that woman in Samaria? Remember when I saved the life of that boy who was sick and that other time that I helped that man who'd been lame for 38 years walk again? Remember when I turned that other kid's lunch into a feast for 5,000 people? And when I stood up for that woman who was caught in adultery? When I gave that blind man his sight? Remember when I raised Lazarus from the dead? Remember when I washed your feet? For crying out loud. Have I been with you all this time? And still you don't know me. Still you don't get it. Still you don't understand. Still you don't see. 
In Jesus, what had been invisible could now be seen in a new way. In Jesus, the power and the presence of God showed up living and moving and breathing in the world for a change. In Jesus, the divine who had heretofore been unknown became knowable. In Jesus, so many of our questions turn into living, moving, breathing answers. And the questions weren't answered by well-crafted sermons or by theological treatises. They weren't answered by crystal balls or with Q&A sessions in between morning worship services either. Jesus answered the questions of his day and age by all of that living, by all of that moving, by all of that breathing, and by being in the world. And I think this is why the disciples didn't always get it, wasn't what they were looking for. And I think a lot of the times it's why we miss the point ourselves. Questions about grace were answered when Jesus forgave the unforgivable and when he welcomed the outsiders that others refused to welcome. Questions about mercy were answered when Jesus healed people who were sick and when he fed people who were hungry. Questions about justice were answered when Jesus spoke out against the hypocrites, when he turned over some tables in the temple, when he empowered women, when he welcomed children into his presence, and when he broke bread with outcasts and sinners. Questions about love were answered by the cross, and questions about the power of God over all things were answered with the empty tomb. What I get out of today's gospel and the questions that the disciples raise is not simple answers which are always tempting and maybe what we would prefer. What I get out of this morning's gospel is a different way of finding the answers we seek. Jesus didn't sit around arguing about who might be right or who might be wrong about any particular thing. He didn't debate the theological merits of the questions the disciples asked him. And Jesus didn't shout the answers or scream his instructions in all capital letters by way of a social media post from behind the safety of a keyboard. Jesus became the lessons his life was meant to teach. Jesus practiced and personified the way and the truth and the life of faith that everyone wanted to know more about. Jesus didn't talk about grace. He extended it to anyone and to everyone who needed it. Jesus didn't just offer up thoughts and prayers about justice. He worked for it. Jesus didn't just dream about mercy, he shared it. Jesus didn't just sit and worship or around tables to read and study God's word for his own benefit. Jesus preached it and he proclaimed it and he passed it around and he poured it out in the form of his self, body and blood like so much bread and wine to whoever would receive it. Jesus didn't just preach about love, he embodied it. And that is our call, too, for ourselves, for each other, and for this world where we live. This morning, we will share First Communion again with another of our young people, and we will baptize baby Blackman, 
too. Like Thomas and like Philip, these young people can and should come to us with all kinds of questions about the place and about the presence and about the power of God in their lives and in this world. And I hope they will learn from all of us, not just by what we say and what we teach or even by what we preach, but I hope they will learn by what they see, by what they feel, and by what they experience about the lives of faith that they witness among us. They will learn about grace, by who and by how we forgive one another. They will learn about generosity and sacrifice by why and how much we give of our time and of our energy and of our money too. They will learn about justice and service by the work that we do in this world together. And they will learn about love by those we welcome to be among us. And so will we. This can be hard, holy work following Jesus, for sure. But Jesus promises that we are up for it today. That as believers, he says, we will do greater works even than his own. And I believe that along the way. We will reveal and we will receive answers about our own faith, maybe even the answers we can't always put into words when we live and when we move and as we breathe, like the very body of Christ in the world, as the very love of God on the planet, as the very presence of the divine in the world, for the sake of the world, in the name of Jesus who showed us how to do it in the first place. Amen.